Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and joining me today to talk about Sunday's upcoming game between the 10 and 3 Seahawks and the 5 and 8 Panthers, Brian Beversluis of Cat Scratch Reader and the Keep Sounding Podcast. Brian, it's been a bit of a tough year, especially these last few games for the Carolina Panthers. Your head coach fired here recently after kind of a promising start to the season for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, um, I I think a lot of Panthers fans saw the writing on the wall, but weren't ready to accept it yet when we found out that Cam Newton was going to be out for a while with Mm -hmm. that Liz Frank injury. You know, it's it's one of those things where Kyle Allen came in and played pretty well to start. But I think that it was mainly just the fact that the NFL didn't know what game plan they were going to throw out with Norv Turner, with uh, Kyle Allen being the quarterback. And then once teams figured out the strengths and weaknesses of the offense, how it operated, you know, the general what they were trying to do, the general game plan, it became a lot easier to figure them out. And I think that's where we've seen them unravel. Well, I think through that four-game winning stretch and hearing all the MVP talk around Christian McCaffrey, this was an offense that went through your running back. And has that changed at all? Because you know, just looking at some of the games in the past, it definitely looks like he's still racking up the stats in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. But I I haven't heard that same kind of talk about Christian McCaffrey. And I understand, you know, winning definitely helps that. But has he been the same type of player that he was earlier on the season? Um, he hasn't really been the home run hitter that they were that they needed. I mean, really what it it's not really his fault. I mean, you still look at his stats. His stats are still crazy. You know, like he's still on pace to have one of the best running back seasons statistically of all time. Um, he's still constantly getting touches and whatnot. So you would think that he is having a great season, but it's definitely slowed down a little bit. And part of that is just that teams know that Kyle Allen isn't that good. <laughs> Their <laughs> offensive line their offensive line has kind of fallen apart a little bit. Uh, it's also a lot of it has to do with just game situations. We saw it both times against the Falcons. They just jumped out ahead of them to a point where you really couldn't. The Panthers offense has been a lot of running the football with with Christian McCaffrey, keeping the ball in the offense's hands, knocking off clock, dictating your will on the off on the opposing defense. And teams are basically forcing them into situations where they have to throw the football. They just have to. And when you can pin your ears back and go after a quarterback like Kyle Allen, who really isn't great in the pocket, he doesn't have, he's probably the opposite of Russell Wilson in the pocket. Um, he doesn't like to stay in it more too long. And typically he'll run out of the pocket. He'll run out of the pocket a few times a game when he's got a clean pocket. It's just one of those things. He's young. He's not super experienced. It's just, it is what it is. And Unfortunately, those kind of things cause a lot of mistakes and negative plays, and this Panthers offense is not designed to be able to survive too many negative plays. So, so. what happened about two weeks ago then? You guys are playing Washington at home. You get out to a 14 to nothing lead. The, you know, especially you bring up Christian McCaffrey's rushing yards, you know, 1,220 yards on the ground, 726 receiving is almost to that 2,000-yard number. That is a huge season. I would just think with, with that guy in your backfield and 14 points up on a team like the Skins – that the offense would be able to hold a lead like that, especially at home. It's been a frustrating thing about the Ron Rivera era. Um, And you might remember a few of these games against Carolina. I know the Panthers in Seattle have played many, many times over the last few years. Oh yeah. Um, The Panthers typically entered a game with a game plan and adjustments were very few and far between, or they didn't adjust enough in time. So basically Washington came out and started really running the football, which has been Carolina's hit biggest weakness on defense this season. And 
They were able to hold on to the football, string a few drives together. The Panthers offense came out and did like nothing for like several, really the rest of the game, to be honest with you, until the very end of the game. They couldn't score. They were making a lot of mistakes, turning the ball over. When you score 14 points and then that's all you do until the very end of the game on offense, your defense is going to get tired. And the defense has already been exposed as a really, really bad rush defense. So Washington just ran the ball down the Panthers' throats. That's all it was. And uh, when your offense can't score points, can't stay on the field, turns the ball over, when they're they're giving up sacks all the time, and your quarterback just isn't, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's really hard to overcome that, especially when your offense is designed to be a, an offense where you drive the ball down the field and long methodical drives, you're more likely to make a mistake especially with a quarterback like Kyle Allen at the helm. So it's really what it's all about. They just can't, they can't, they keep making stupid mistakes on offense. They can't end up, you know, they just can't do that. Like with Kyle Allen, the reason why they were so good for those four games that they were winning is because they make a lot of mistakes. I mean, Allen did have that one game where he fumbled the ball like three times. They, they got away with a win somehow in that game. But as you can see, that formula doesn't work when you, when you make those, those kind of mistakes, you don't typically win. And that's a lot of what they've been doing. Half of it's probably Kyle Allen's fault. Half of it is just that the offense as a whole is just not doing well. And Christian McCaffrey can only do so much. This is not the type of NFL where a running back can drag a team to the playoffs anymore. Well, you alluded to the Carolina Panthers defense. And I I know just looking at the numbers, you know, 139 yards per game, the defense has given up good for 29th in the league. And I, I was curious because, you know, sometimes that's indicative of, you know, other teams getting up quickly and then running the ball and just racking up the yardage. But it sounds like from what you're saying is that this just isn't a good team against the run. They're just bad. Yeah, there's really no way of there's really no (laughs) good way to sugarcoat that. They're just not good against the run. You saw flashes of it um, to plug the keep sounding podcast. Uh, One of the guys that I talk with, John, he's big in the analytics side of it, the numbers. Mm -hmm. And he's always been one where he basically says running the ball is an inherently less likely to be successful play than passing the football. It's a less effective play on average, focusing on throwing the football and being sick and winning in that way. And the same with defense force when being strong against the pass is good, which is what Carolina was doing early in the season. But when you're that bad against the run, it nullifies everything. Um, And the main reason why Carolina's rush defense is so horrible And you guys who are listening might have seen myself. I'm the social media coordinator for Cast Scratch Reader and the field goals, whoever their social media coordinator was. But a few days ago, we were going back and forth because they they brought up how do you have Luke Keekley and Shaq Thompson, who just got a major extension and have a bottom of the bottom of the league rush defense. And the reason is the reason is that they they got a lot smaller and faster on the defensive line to try and get after the passer. Mm. If you look at the sack totals, it makes sense. They do. They get, they've sacked the quarterback a lot. They get a lot of pressure that way. However, they gave up the rushing defense a bit with that. And they also lost K one short for the season. Very early on. They just recently lost on Terry Poe. So essentially they have Gerald McCoy, who was never very good against the run and a bunch of backups at defensive tackle. And on the three, four, your interior line is really important for stopping the run and helping your linebackers get open. So Shaq Thompson and Luke Keekley have just had a lot of bodies on them all the time. Eric Reed is an outstanding run defender, but he's he's only one guy, you know, like you even if you run him in as the extra defender, you can't expect him to make the play every single time, you know. So it's just one of those things where they sacrifice too much of the of the rush defense to try and get after the passer. And initially it worked because they were really good at stopping the pass. 
but teams have now figured out they can just pound the rock against them, and there's really nothing Carolina can do to stop it consistently. Well, and you talk about one of the pass rushers that you know getting smaller to go after the passer, Mario Addison. Uh, he hasn't practiced this week, and do you expect him to be in this game on Sunday? I actually don't know, to be honest with you. It's he was he was hurt several times on Sunday. He came out, I I think at least three different times with injuries. So it seems like he's just kind of banged up altogether, and it's it's tough because he's he's going to be a free agent next season. So it's not like there's really an incentive right now to you know, put him on IR and save him for next year. Cause you don't even know if he's going to be back or not. Mm-hmm. If I were a betting man, I'd say no, just because I think Carolina knows that the season, the season's over for them. Like they're not making the playoffs. They need to get there. They need to get guys out there that are younger to get some, to get them some looks such as, you know, Brian Burns, their first round pick or Christian Miller, their fourth round pick from this season. Um, Marquise Haynes, uh, although I think Marquise Haynes is hurt too, though. Um, but all these guys are younger it's just time to give them looks. Let, let them get out there, pin the ears back, and get out to the quarterback because at this point you're looking at next season. Yeah, Marquis Haynes also did not practice this week. I am kind of curious about Burns because I've I've heard a lot of Carolina fans talking about how uh, maybe you're frustrated with the limited number of snaps that he is playing. Yeah, he's frustrated too, and I don't blame him. He started off the season. He was in the conversation for Defensive Rookie of the Year. He looked like a monster. He, w- he was as advertised. I've, I can't say I've been more surprisingly impressed by a rookie since Carolina took Luke Keekley. Like he, he just came out. He was a mo- He has that, that motor that you like from a defensive lineman with, with that kind of that less athleticism where they're just constantly going after the quarterback, whether it's on the initial drop back when they, when they move around the pocket and create some time when they're scrambling, the guy is just ferocious. And I love watching him play for that reason. Then he had a, a hand injury where he was playing with a club and then he just started losing snaps and Ron Rivera said it had a lot to do with the injury. So that could be it. On top of that, Bruce Irvin came back and uh, Bruce Irvin was hurt the first four games of the season for first four or five, I think, games of the season. So that might have had to do with why he was getting limited snaps. I think that's one of those things where he's a rookie and Ron Rivera has always, always favored his veterans to the point that fans hated him for it. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where you hope that a new defensive coordinator, whoever the head coach comes in next season, they see the talent they have with them. They just let them they turn them loose and let them go. Well, I'm kind of curious because, yeah, you mentioned Bruce Irvin's name, a former Seahawk. I know Seahawks fans were kind of curious of what's going on with some of our former guys, especially a guy from the 2013 Super Bowl team. How's Irvin doing? Uh, he's been good. Um, he he's definitely a veteran at this point, but he's, he's one of the few guys who seems to have been productive throughout almost the entire season when he was healthy. He's a good pass rusher. They, they, what they signed him to be is just a veteran presence. They can use on a rotational basis and he's been good. I mean, he got a safety for them. He's made several, he gets after the quarterback quite well for Carolina and their pass rush has definitely not been the problem. And a lot of it is just having several different young speedy options alongside guys like Mario Addison and Bruce Irvin on the outside. They just have so much speed that it overwhelms offenses when they can actually get after the quarterback and pin their ears back. He's been good for Carolina. It definitely was worth the money they paid him. I wouldn't be opposed to having him come back next season. The only issue is that they haven't been able to stop the run and it's not. And Bruce Irvin is, I wouldn't call him the worst aggressor with it, but he's definitely, he's not, he's not showing out as a guy who is good against the run, I guess is the best way I can put it. Like he's just the entire defense has sucked at it. So yeah. 
Well, we brought up Addison's name. He is leading the team in sacks nine and a half. Bruce Irvin right behind him, number two, tied with Brian Burns, five and a half, and a team that spreads around the sacks. You got Vernon Butler and Gerald McCoy in the middle there with four each, and Eric Reed from the safety spot with four sacks. Yeah, they uh, they do a lot of different blitzes to get after the quarterback. They send pressure from all sorts of different places. Eric Reed has kind of taken on this like pseudo linebacker role for them at times where he'll rush the passer. He'll go and play against the run. He'll step in as like a big nickel type guy. Really versatile piece. I'm sure a lot of Seahawks fans don't like him from when he used to play for the 49ers, but he is definitely a very good safety. And I'm glad that he was able to find a find a team to play for because he's good. He's a very, very good safety. There's no reason he should have been out of the league as long as he was. Um, Carolina is lucky to have him for the next two seasons after this season. All right, Brian, I want to take a quick break and come back and talk to you about your former head coach, Ron Rivera. Also talk about Cam Newton, what you see from him going forward with the Panthers. And we're going to do that right after the break. Joined by Brian Beversluis of Cat Scratch Reader and the Keep Sounding podcast, talking about the upcoming game against the Carolina Panthers. Ron Rivera fired here recently. And I, I have to imagine, though, as a Carolina Panthers fan, just the history that Ron, and the time that Ron Rivera has spent as the coach, and he just seems like a good dude. That kind of had to be a little bit tough as a Panthers fan. Yeah, I mean. Or mixed feelings, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, it, from, a, from a purely football standpoint, it was Ron Rivera's time. It's been his time for a while. The 2015 season was his peak, um, but it's. Aside from those three winning seasons he's had, honestly, two of them were mainly just Cam Newton dragging the team, kicking and screaming to success. <laughs> um, he's just been it's been mediocrity for the most part. Ron was very proud of his uh, three straight division titles, something that's never been done in the NFC South. But one of know, those what, was it even a winning record seven, of one seven, of those years? Seven, <laughs> seven, eight and one. Right. They stay they back. They backed up into the playoffs, basically. You know, so it's just it's just one of those things where. Ron is what he is. He's yeah. a defensive. He's a defensive coach who can go in and he can clean up a really bad situation, make a team competitive again. But he's not the type of coach where he's going to take you to the next level consistently. I think that Ron Rivera this season was starting to adjust to things. But there are a few big problems with Ron Rivera, and honestly, a lot of coaches like him. Very conservative at times. Last season, uh, 2000, yeah, I think it was last season when Graham Gano made a 64 yard, 63 or 64 yard field goal. And the only reason he even had to attempt that is because Ron Rivera decided to play it cute and only and run the football when there was no time left. So, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where he's he's from an older generation of as far as far as a mentality. So he's very conservative. The NFL is going towards being a little more aggressive. There's the analytics side of it that tells you to do certain things. And he did a few this season. He definitely did more things that tend to lend themselves towards toward analytics, something that David Tepper is big on. Mm -hmm. But I think he needs two or three seasons to maybe evolve into a coach where they truly embrace analytics if he can. And Carolina was not the place for it, not with Cam Newton potentially being out of the out of or looking at his next deal. Uh, not after all these seasons of Carolina not being consistently successful not after a new owner took over has really no reason to be loyal to ron rivera it was just time if i could take any coach and look purely outside of football 
and be like, I want this guy. It would be Ron Rivera because he's just such a great guy. Yeah, he's the players love him so much. I got a chance to talk to him one time in an interview. It was something with something set up through SB Nation. And he's just he's just a lovable dude. Like, he's a really nice, nice guy. Like, he's just a sweetheart. And he's someone that everybody gets along with. And he's clearly got the players, the what's best for them in mind. He doesn't just treat them like employees. They all love him. You know, it's just one of those things where it's a results based business and he, he hasn't gotten the results since 2015. Well, you mentioned uh, the loyalty to Ron Rivera. How about the loyalty to Cam Newton now that he's going into the final year of his deal, a $19 million deal set for 2020. Do you see him re-signing beyond next year? Or do you think this could be the last year of Cam Newton or could they deal him in the off season? Um, I don't see them dealing him in the off season. Um, I know the media has been making a big deal about Cam Newton and the Panthers might trade him and he might go to Chicago and all that jazz work with Matt Nagy and all that. Catfish. Um, but I don't see them trading him. It, David Tepper has been saying this since the off season of this year, where he basically said, I will do whatever it takes to let Cam Newton get healthy. He even talked about letting Cam sit out the whole season before he hurt his, his foot this season. I, obviously the injury was a bit mismanaged and ended up leading to him sitting out the entire season for something totally separate from his shoulder. His shoulder seems to be fine. David Tepper said, I think it was yesterday, he prefers a healthy Cam Newton right now he, because franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees and he views Cam as a franchise quarterback. Will he be back after se- next season? I don't know, but the last time Cam was on a contract where he was on the last year of his deal was 2015. They re-signed him or they signed him to an extension prior to the season and then he took him to the Super Bowl. We could see David Tepper throw him a throw him an extension maybe, maybe like a two-year extension. We could see him just let Cam Newton bet on himself and see what happens, but I I don't see them cutting him because if you cut him, you just end up putting that money into probably another quarterback unless you think Kyle Allen is the answer and I don't think anybody thinks Kyle Allen is the answer. Will Greer, there's just not enough proven there's not there's nothing proven by this guy they drafted in the third round yet to make you think, oh, let's bet the future of this team on him when they're currently built in a way where they could probably be competitive with a good quarterback. It's I don't see them cutting him. I don't see them trading him. I think it's either going to be Cam will play or Cam will be hurt. Well, five straight losses now for Kyle Allen as quarterback. Do you think that they will move to Will Greer, especially in these next three games? You got Seattle, you got the Colts and the New Orleans Saints. Frustratingly, the answer, I think the answer to that is no. Yeah. Um, the Athletic, which uh, if you don't follow the Athletic for Seattle's sports coverage, everybody at the Athletic does great work. Jordan Rodrigue just, I think it was Jordan, she shared something today um, from the Athletic where basically talked about why Will Greer hasn't really even, they, they haven't even shown him on the sideline warming up. And he's technically the backup to Kyle Allen right now. So, David Tepper's looking at it in a way where it's like back in the day, if you drafted a quarterback, a lot of times they didn't even play their first season. He was refer he referred to guys like uh, he refer- he was referring to a lot of backup quarterbacks or young quarterbacks who were drafted who ended up playing or sitting for an entire season behind whatever veteran quarterback a team had. That's kind of what he looks at with Will Greer. He doesn't want him to develop bad tendencies. He doesn't want him to he doesn't want to break him basically, <laughs> which it seems like they've they've already kind of broken Kyle Allen. So I, I guess there is some <laughs> merit to that. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to put Will Greer in there unless there's an injury or we could see them play all their backups in like a pseudo preseason game at the end of the season. If the Saints have no reason to, you know, try and win that game. 
Well, and I, I am kind of curious about your philosophy too going forward here, because being five and eight, you know, do you subscribe to that idea of okay, we're out of the playoffs? I don't care if my team loses the next three games. I just want the better draft pick. Or do you say, you know, I want to see this team build upon, uh, you know, some of these young players, get the rookies out there, finish the team strong, and then have a little bit of success that you can point to from the previous season going into next year. So a lot of Panthers fans got really mad last season when the Panthers beat the Saints on the final game of the season. The thing about it was, so I think the difference would have been they may, they may have picked in like the 10, 11, or 12th pick. Yeah. They ended up getting Brian Burns anyway. And sure. honestly, a lot a lot of people thought Brian Burns was the best player on the board at 10 and 11, like draft people. And I they could have gotten Brian Burns there. So in the end, like last season, people being mad about that loss didn't really make a difference. Carolina still came out of it with one of what looks to be one of the best defensive players in this draft at a, pre, a, a premium position at that. I don't really subscribe to the philosophy to that philosophy too much unless you're really tanking. I mean, like you want to win, like you want to get that first pick, right? I don't think Carolina is going into this draft looking at drafting a quarterback in the first round. I just don't think that's the case. Um, they, they have Christian McCaffrey still on his first year deal on. This will be the third year of his contract. So they have, they technically have him for at least two more seasons if they want. I think this is this is the the time where you take. They also have Luke Keekley and Cam Newton, who are both potentially on the down, the backward end of their careers. So I don't think this is a team where you you go to rebuild. And in that scenario, you want to get the best look you can at what you have now. So I wouldn't think you play your you play your backups and try to lose as much as you try to see how good are these guys against teams that are trying to beat you. Teams like Seattle, teams like the Saints. How good teams like the Colts? Yeah, all pl- potential playoff teams. They all have reasons to play Carolina and beat them. So I w- I would like to see what Carolina can do to be competitive and who's going to step up. I want to see what they do with guys like Curtis Samuel. I want to see what the younger guys are going to do now that Mario Addison might be out. I want to see what their backup defensive tackles are going to look like. I want to see how Dante Jackson is going to rebound from what's been a really shitty season for him. You know, this is they have a lot of talent, so it's not like they could go to next season and not end up being a good team. I mean, they, this is almost kind of a similar team off the offensively. It's damn near the same team as last season. They started six and two with Cam Newton and were looking to be a playoff team before he got hurt. So it's like, I don't know this is, I'm not re- I'm not ready to blow everything up yet. So in that scenario, I'm not as worried about draft position because whether you're picking, they're, they're going to end up probably picking somewhere between eight and 14, 15. Yeah. You can still get a good player at that position. So, All right. Well, with all that said, the Seattle Seahawks are six and a half point favorites in this game on Sunday. Uh, what's your prediction going into this game? I think Carolina's going to get killed. <laughs> from they a team that doesn't really kill anybody, apart from the uh, apart from the Arizona Cardinals so far this season. I, I kind of hope you're right, but I'm, uh, I, I'm curious to see if that comes true. <laughs> Well, part my my reasoning is that the Fed, the Seahawks are one of few teams in the NFL that are truly devoted to running the football. Yeah, Chris Carson is going to run over their team. Uh, I don't know if Rashad Penny will be back this this game. But, no, he's going to be he's going to be put on injured reserve this week. Uh, okay, well they're going to run all over the Panthers' defense. I, Russell Wilson could be could be in for some pain if the pass rush gets after him, but it's the same formula that every team has used to beat them over the last five games. It's that you stop Christian McCaffrey, you do everything in your freaking power to stop him from scoring as a runner. You make Kyle Allen try to win the game throwing. 
uh, and you just run the ball until Carolina's defense can't can't stop it anymore. It's a really simple formula, and I haven't seen any reason to believe that they're gonna they're gonna fix it. They just got blown out again by Atlanta. It's not like Atlanta is a different team than they faced than they were when they faced them the first time. It's it's not rocket science. So yeah, I I just don't, especially since Seattle is trying to, is still jockeying for you know division stuff and where they're going to be seated in the playoffs. I just don't see a reason why Seattle lays down to Carolina. Brian Beversluice of Cat Scratch Reader and the Keep Sounding Podcast. Brian, appreciate you coming on. If people want to follow your show, tune into this week's show to hear you talk a little bit more about the upcoming game. Where do they go? They can go see me. My personal Twitter handle is at Brian B C S R. You can also follow the Cat Scratch Reader handle, which is Cat Scratch Reader without the last E, so R-E-A-D-R. You'll definitely see me sparring back and forth with field goals during the game, I'm sure. Nice. I also occasionally write, though it's been kind of hard to uh, to really come up with the motivation to write things when this team has just been this bad <laughs> over the last few weeks. So It's um, not too early yeah. for draft preview, Brian. Uh, it's too early for me. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> So, but yeah, check us out, uh, check out all of our work, uh, where we just shared, a, I think it was yeah, today or yesterday, our friend Walker wrote the top five questions with the field goals. And you'll probably see him answering five questions about Carolina on the field goals website. So check that out. But yeah, hopefully we see a entertaining game, at least on Sunday. And, uh, hopefully there's not a lot of entries and people stay re- relatively healthy going into the end of the season. Definitely looking forward to it, Brian. Appreciate you coming on. Everybody needs to go check out fieldgoals.com. Check out those questions uh, with uh, with the Cat Scratch Reader folks and uh, Kenneth Arthur answering questions over Cat Scratch Reader. So, Brian, once again, thanks for coming on. Thank you. 